Welcome to the Science of Sex, a podcast about the ins and outs of the latest research about everyone's favorite topic. Here's Dr. Jana, an NYU professor of human sexuality, and Joe, a guy who's a fan of sex. Dr. Jana, hi. Hi, Joe. Welcome to episode number 57 of the Science Sex Podcast. So lovely to be here with you. I know it is. Mm. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great. So last time we, we would gather together, we did an episode without a sex researcher. It was your mm-hmm. friend Kenneth Play, and mm-hmm. we did the legendary squirting episode. Yeah, the legendary <laughs> squirting episode, yeah. A lot of people uh, were into squirting, but this time around mm-hmm. you've promised me a sex researcher who's a PhD, teaches, and does yes, all that, we're right? we're back to proper researchers. <laughs> R- yes. Back to regularly scheduled program, as yes. they say. <laughs> exactly. So what are we going to talk about today? We have Dr. Kate Esterline on the show from Purdue University, and we're going to talk about performative making out. Huh? <laughs> We'll tell you all about it in a second. <laughs> all right, good. Yes, I'll I'll need some help with that. Uh, before yeah, we get you <laughs> sound like it though. Before we pop Kate on the Skype, I want to bring up something I read over the weekend, Doctor Jana. Oh about, boy, about yeah. Oh, geez. You read here it is. Yes, every once in a while I'll read something. But it was it was something funny. It was the headline that was it was clickbaity mm. about sex on the first date. Okay. Now, sex on the first date apparently not taboo anymore. Is which that is so? that's a good thing. So the survey says, I sound like I'm on the, on the family feud, but <laughs> sex on the first date is definitely not taboo. 64% of men and 48% of women say they'd consider having sex with someone on the first date. And this is in the US. Yes, these stats, 64% of men, 48% of women. Who are the participants? Where are these data from? Are, are we talking about a national representative study? You know this is coming. Come on, Joe. I, I had a feeling it was whenever, coming. But, whenever you read stuff like this. Yeah, I know. That's what I get for clicking, uh, Dr. Jana. <laughs> but no, it's from a dating site put together with about 30,000 people. 30,000 people. That's yeah. a big sample. And a big chunk of that was from the U.S. Okay. Some of that was Canada, Germany, and the U.K., but the, the stats I gave you right now uh-huh. were American stats. And what's the dating site? It's a dating app called Jowmo. What? Jowmo? J-A-U-M-O. Have you ever used that one? Because I know you use, you use a lot of them. I've never even heard of that. Don't you feel like you're missing out? The fear of... I completely <laughs> feel like I'm missing out. How have I not even heard of that? Jowmo? Jowmo. Jowmo. Have you heard of it? I've never heard of it in my life. But then again, you're not on dating sites. That's true, but I... But I you, d- know, you know <laughs> shit. I do know of Tinder, and I know of Grindr. <laughs> I, know, I know of huh. a lot of them. So, okay. you right, can, so, so these are single people... On this dating app, asked, would you have sex on the first date? And basically, about half of American women and 64% of American men say, yeah. Interesting. That's a pretty high percentage, especially for the women, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things are changing. We're becoming a little more open to these kinds of sexual experiences yeah. happening, right? Well, I remember growing up in America, there was always the, the fill-in-the-blank date rule. So it was uh-huh. like the three-day rule, the four-day rule, the five-day rule. Apparently now it's just the one-day rule. Well, for about half. For, for, or more than half the guys and right, half the women. Right. So, mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of a cool thing in a way that I, I think people are sort of open to just anything on that first date. They kind of will go with the flow, you know, if, if there is some sort of spark or fire there. Right. That basically they're saying the taboo of that is gone. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to feel bad if they all of a sudden they get caught in a night of passion. They're having a good date. They're feeling the vibe. They get it on. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And we're all about spreading the sex positivity that, love. That is great. Now, of course, you have to remember these are people who are single right. on a dating site. So they might be more open to something like that happening than the general population. But that, yeah, that's great. And I think what we are generally slowly, <laughs> slowly, but hopefully surely moving towards is a is a world where it's okay to have these experiences 
if you want to have those experiences. Yes. Now, you still had, say, 50% of, of women and 35% of the men saying, not my thing. Right. I'm not open to sex on the first date, even if things are going well, mm-hmm. which is, is still a lot of people who are not open to that. And that's quite okay, right? Yeah. If they If they need, because some people do need more time to get to know their partner, feel comfortable, and a first date is just not enough time for that to happen. So that's perfectly fine. I want to live in a world not where everyone says I want to or I'm open to sex on the first date I want to live in a world in which that is okay if you so desire so it's like a a Willy Wonka chocolate chocolate factory (laughs) kind of world of just you know live your life and if you feel like you're ready for it and don't have to Mm -hmm. worry about any kind of taboo or Mm -hmm. blank date rules that, that you live by just go with the flow and enjoy yourself and you know, that's sort of like what we do. That's how we live, Dr. John, you and I. definitely live like that. <laughs> I don't know about you. You're, I guess you're on the other scale of the spectrum, but I'm doing my best in my, in my well, monogamous no, life. You, you do what you like to do, yes. and I do what I like to do, and we don't care about what we should be doing. Yeah, and right? I'm not judging you. I'm you, not judging you. I, I, I do my best. Every once in a while, you judge I do my, me. I don't. No, I don't. I'm very happy that you're happy mm-hmm. having the life, living the lives that you do. Yes. Because that really goes to show how different people are and that it's okay to have those differences, that you can have a fulfilling happy life regardless of where on that spectrum your desires are and speaking of desires whether it's kink or you know you want to go outside you whatever whatever floats your boat just Mm -hmm. do it don't judge (laughs) others be like john and joe here just be happy for the other people i mean Mm -hmm. i want that to be our take-home message of the science sex podcast amazing You got the take-home message before it's end of the show. <laughs> yes. It's still an entire interview yeah. here. Uh, thanks for mentioning that, Dr. <laughs> Jana. Can you tell us about Dr. Kate Esterline, please? I can. Dr. Kate Esterline earned her doctorate in clinical psychology from the University of Kansas in 2018. She is now working as a postdoctoral therapist at Purdue University's Counseling and Psychological Services. Her research has focused on gendered experiences of performing sexual behavior like making out in front of other people, the stuff that we're going to talk about today, and also on understanding how people conceptualize and experience being out about their sexual orientation. The majority of her time currently is spent doing clinical work, but she continues to collaborate with colleagues at the University of Kansas. Dr. Kate Esterline, welcome to the Science of Sex podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So good to have you here. Uh, It's a topic that we really haven't discussed much on the show Mm -hmm. at all up to this point. Performative sexuality in general. That sounds so sexy. Before we have Kate define this for us, what does that conjure up in your mind? Come on, come on. Performative performative (laughs) making out. It sounds like like the Olympics of, of kissing. The Olympics of kissing? Yes. <laughs> Do I think performance or, uh-huh. uh, yeah, am, am I close? Define Olympics of kissing. Like, are they competing or yeah. what? Yes. It's, okay. oh, comp- uh, so that competitive making uh, competitive out. Competitive making out, yes. <laughs> and I hear the Russians are fantastic at it. <laughs> Who can do it better or longer or what? What are they competing it, on? It's all part of it. It depends on what you're, you're being judged on, you know, whether you stick the landing or not, all that. <laughs> can we find out what the real Kate, thing is? Kate, how, how close is Joe? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> to what? Yeah. So there's actually an element of truth to that guess. Um, mm-hmm. but the way that we think about it, the way that I think about it, first of all, there's a lot of ways to think about the word performative um, and what that could mean. I think about it as just kind of being aware that you have an audience, Um, whether you intend to have an audience or have sought out that audience in some way. Maybe you have. But the way I'm thinking about the word performative, um, it doesn't matter as long as you know that you're being observed or that you could be observed. um, That's how we used performative. So choosing to make out or be sexual while knowing that you are being watched by others. Right. Okay, so it's sort of like exhibitionistic kind of thing, right? Huh. Well, is it? <laughs> it could be. It could be, um, okay. It could be just being fine with being observed as well. That sounds like you're or, describing Dr. Jana. Sounds like Dr. Jana. Dr. Jana, you seem like you'd be a, a performative kind of kisser. You don't mind. You don't mind if there's anyone around. I don't mind if it's appropriate. See? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I probably won't do it in class. <laughs> right. You know, or something like that. In yeah. those cases, I would mind. Okay. <laughs> but if the time was right and the location <laughs> deemed uh, fit, it'd be mm-hmm. all right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so <laughs> you've, you've published a couple of studies at, at this point on performative sexuality. Operationalize this for for us a little bit like how do you how do you study that what do you go and observe people doing it and then ask them why they did it or how they did it do you ask people if they've ever done and what exactly I think that maybe the number one question that I get asked is do you go and watch people do this Uh, (laughs) you read my mind Kate (laughs) (laughs) the answer to that is no Um, yeah Joe's very disappointed here (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. The way that we have asked about it is by um, asking people, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever done this? Have you ever seen this? Um, Have you ever asked other people to do it? And we ask a lot of open-ended questions. So we want to get as much of a narrative about the situation as we possibly can. We want to make it as though we had watched them engage in the behavior. So we ask about the circumstances, what the environment was, what their decision-making process was, what they were thinking and feeling what outcomes they expected to happen, what outcomes they think actually happened. We also like to give them a lot of opportunities to add additional details that might not have been asked about, um, if that feels important to participants. What's the end game of your research? I mean, regarding all these questions, what were you hoping to, to prove or find out? In a lot of ways, um, I don't know. Proving something was was necessarily the goal. I know. Dr. Uh, John already rolled my uh, <laughs> rolled her eyes at me. So yeah, I know. That's, he's not a scientist. Yeah. You know, he doesn't know we don't use those words. Yeah. <laughs> so I think exploring it was the major end game. So in the first study that I did, um, we had kind of noticed that there's a lot of research already out there on women who make out with other women in front of other people, and we're kind of wondering, well, does performative making out among or performative sexuality, not necessarily always making out, happen just among women or does it happen among men as well? And then in this more recent study to expand that even further, I'm kind of thinking, well, this certainly happens across couples that aren't of the same gender. And so um, what did those processes, what do those experiences and behaviors look like? Right. So you kind of looked at you know people making making out or being sexual in front of others if they were straight identified by making out with same-sex people or straight identified making out with other (laughs) sex people and men and women. And uh, so let's unpack all of that. And I want to start with what you kind of started uh, studying yourself to begin with, because that is the context in which we hear about performative making out the most. And there's the most amount of research on specifically women, straight or straight-ish women who are making out, kissing, dancing very suggestively and so on in uh, with other women in front 
of an audience or public, maybe in, in, at parties. And the understanding is they're doing it kind of for the male gaze. That's kind of the, the discourse around right. this activity that I've read most of the research about. So how does this play out? Who, who are these women? Why are they doing it? Where are they doing it? <laughs> who are the women <laughs> they're doing it with? Tell us all about how that works on college college campuses because all of your studies were on on college students right well actually that's not that's not uh that's not necessarily true i think the first study was some definitely were students but um the study was available to a broader range um so the way it plays out tends to take a few different forms um i think one of the really common ones is that men are asking for the behavior anywhere from 20 to 54 percent of participants depending on the study that you're looking at reported having been asked to engage in this behavior um specifically women making out with straight identified women other times women have talked about initiating it themselves and usually this is in the context of a male audience so kind of wanting to turn on the men that are around them wanting to arouse the men that are around them Um, kind of hoping to start a hookup or something get their attention Right, right. So, the men, for instance, the women. someone yeah. in our our study said they wanted they wanted the boys to like them more, and so they they made out with a female friend. Mm. The other the other kind of scenario that is common is in the context of like a game or a dare. Um, so, truth or dare comes up a lot. Mm. Spin the bottle comes up a lot. Those are those are pretty common. As Did you well. play those a lot, Joe? Yeah, spin the bottle. Yeah, yeah, they had it back then when I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask girls to make out with other girls? No, I didn't. And I'm honestly wishing I could go back in time or something because I've never had this experience where I've asked someone to make out with another woman. So I feel like I've missed out here, Kate. (laughs) Go back to college. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Keep going. I think I think often the um, the audience is really important in the context of games and dares because I think a lot of people mention, you know, not wanting to not wanting to have to do a worse dare. So they do the dare that is right in front of them or mm-hmm. you know the, the person that they're making out with is kind of chosen by the game and so they have to do it or else they're they're not playing right 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 okay most often that i've seen the women know the other woman that they're making out with often it's a friend and are those women also straight or is there some making out with lesbian or bi women you know it's hard to say um a lot of the because of the kind of sample especially on college campuses we really didn't get a lot of bisexual or lesbian women in our samples certainly is possible, um, but not necessarily. I think there's some research to show that women who are making out with other women in these kinds of contexts are at least assumed to be heterosexual, even if they don't identify that way themselves. Yeah, I wonder if there is a, an element of, if it's performative in the sense mm-hmm. that this is for the male gaze, you don't want to give the guy the impression that you're gay, that you're mm-hmm. lesbian, right? So you might shy away from making out with a known lesbian because that might Mm. associate you with that identity more and so you might maybe be more likely to make out with someone who's who's straight or most people know as as straight Uh, speaking for the guys i don't think they care whether they're making out with a straight girl no no i don't believe so (laughs) i mean i don't know if that's part of the study there kate but i think guys it doesn't matter what kind of girl they're uh making out with Mm. especially in the context of it because like you're saying it's it's sort of maybe a party it's a bar mm-hmm. everyone's feeling a little loosey-goosey maybe there's drugs there's alcohol involved so i don't think mm-hmm. sexual preferences place into uh, anything there i also think that there is some truth to the fact that there's a sense of safety um that can be experienced by women who are doing this so for instance there are a few women who have talked about making out with another woman and 
kind of doing it either to satisfy their own curiosity or um, to satisfy their own desires that they have um, without needing to have their sexual orientation questioned um, by the people around them. Mm. Also wonder if they would be making out with, say, someone who they know is lesbian, they might think that that would give the wrong impression to that woman if they don't plan on going all the way. If all they Mm. are thinking of doing is just a quick makeout session on the dance floor to arouse the guys, then then you don't want to lead this woman on, whereas the other straight girl... That's all she wants. Yeah. Like presumably, that she just wants a quick makeout session as opposed to going sure. back to the the dorm and actually having sex and maybe starting a relationship, <laughs> which a lesbian woman might think that think. you had interest in if you were to do that. Certainly possible. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned sometimes the women are doing this for their own exploration. How often is that? How often does it seem like this behavior is driven by something that is a little more intrinsic to the person as opposed to trying to get people's attention, get guys' attention? The frequency that that people mentioned that was pretty low, probably just a handful of women saying that they either reflected on their own sexual orientation afterwards or engaged in the behavior to begin with as a way of exploring that. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean that more didn't experience things this way. It's almost hard to ask about in a way that doesn't kind of lead people to either think that we're thinking about them, that we're assuming that if they're making out with a woman that they must be gay or leading. But I don't know. It's a hard question to ask about. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So we didn't specifically ask about, um, did you reconsider your sexual orientation after this, after this encounter? Um, so that may mean that, that some women experienced that, but didn't share it. You mentioned the guys who will ask women to do this specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how common was this? Did you did you ask specifically, like, have you ever asked people to do this? In one study, about 25% of men said that they had asked. Well, Joe, yeah. I mean, you're I'm, I'm in, in the, the 75%. You're in the 75%, yeah. so you're in the majority. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're going to like this. You're going to like being in this majority. Really? Yeah, okay. you are. Because in one of Kate's studies, they found that the guys who had asked women to make out with another woman were both more sexist and more homophobic huh. than the guys who'd never asked a woman to make out with another woman. See? Uh-huh. You're a good no. guy. I'm a good guy. You're a good guy, I Joe. Mean, I may be a dick every once in a while, but I'm a good, good guy at the end of the day. Well, clearly you're not. No, good. <laughs> Kate, unpack that for yeah. us. It kind of does, you know, obviously it makes sense on some level. It doesn't make sense on another level, especially them being more homophobic and they're asking women to make out with other women. Um, what's going on there? Well, I mean, I think there's a way of thinking about this behavior of having women make out with one another in front of men. Um, We're even asking for that behavior can be considered sexist and heterosexist. Women are being asked to put on a type of show that's widely considered arousing for heterosexual men. So male onlookers to that behavior can have their heterosexuality affirmed by watching it and, and, and kind of performing, liking it. Um, without having their heterosexuality questioned or challenged. So if we're if we look at the act of asking women to make out with one another as sexist and heterosexist, then it would make sense that the men who have chosen to do that might endorse more of those attitudes. And so, how did the women take it who were asked by a man? Did, was I don't know if that was asked or not, but well, I mean, I'm curious, like what their reaction would be. I'm sure some would be like, "Yeah, sure," and some would be like, "Go to hell." <laughs> yeah, that's yep. <laughs> That was, it. That, was, that was exactly yeah. how it came out, yes, and, or go to hell. Okay, cool. 
<laughs> yeah, and there, people agree and decline for for lots of different reasons. How common this is for for straight women to have done this, to have made out with another woman. And you said about 20 to 50 or so percent had been asked to do it, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but how many have actually done it? My sample, less than 10 percent, about 7 to 8 percent of women said that they'd actually done it. Um, but I've seen studies going up to about a third of women um, mm -hmm. reporting that they have done this. And you did, in in the, the most recent study, you did actually look at the performative making out and performative sexuality in men as well and as as right. well as women and not just with same sex partners but how about heterosexual women performing heterosexuality and or heterosexual guys performing heterosexuality it's there it's definitely <laughs> there i could imagine and you know most of us being able to think of times that we could see this happening um both men and women do it um how common is it? Is it more common for men versus women? What are the motives for each gender driving that behavior? How does it play out? It is not particularly more common for men than women. About 30 to 35% of people described wanting to be seen. So this is um, really specifically wanting that audience, more of the exhibitionism that, that Joe was talking about a little earlier. Some of the motives that we uncovered um, in our study about this the most common motivation for men who engaged in that um, was enhancing their image. Um, and again, particularly among male friends. Looking like the man in front of his right. his buddies. That's so strange. Does that, does that happen? <laughs> That's a thing, huh? Oh. Who knew? <laughs> who knew? Yeah. yeah, so fraternity brothers are mentioned a lot of the time. So in, uh, in I guess, social spaces where there's some kind of hierarchy, um, I think of fraternities often with that. Um, so wanting to show my fraternity brothers that I could pull um, was a quote from one of our participants. Um, my favorite one that I'm so glad that you that you noticed um, is a man who wanted to be seen by, I quote, my bros. So they thought I myself was a bro. I would be accepted into a new state of brodom. I know. Wow. That, yeah. Say, say that again. That, that quote is just so good. When I read the study, I was like, oh, my God, please mention this quote. Please mention this oh. quote. It's so good. It sounds like a Seth it's, Rogen movie. It doesn't sound like real life, though. It's really the defining quote of this study. I am so grateful to the, the participant that provided this. Okay, one more time. Um, I want to hear one, one, one more, more time. time. Yes. <laughs> he said, I wanted to be seen by my bros, so they thought I myself was a bro. I would be accepted into a new state of brodom. New state of Brodom. Yes. This is a college student, right? Obviously. Yep. Oh, yeah. Geez. Obviously. That's why you're making out with the hot woman uh, at the party. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. For a new state of Brodom. And yep. so my bros can see I'm a bro. Yep. Wow. Yep. It's a thing, right? I mean, we're making fun of that, but it the the motivation, sure. right, to enhance your social status, to show your masculinity, show that mm -hmm. you, a heterosexuality and being able to show that you are yeah. this heterosexual He's not man. a wordsmith. We get his motive. We just, <laughs> he just really couldn't explain it very well. But Well, I mean, he explained oh, it very well. Yeah, yeah. Well. I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very basic human need to be accepted, right? That's mm -hmm. where this is coming from, the need for belonging, the need for community, the need to be part of a group. It's just that the particular norms for acceptance in some of these groups is very much about performing heterosexuality or being the, a good heterosexual man yeah. who is able to pull all these women. And get right? his bro on, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that was the main motive for men. Any other motives for men that that stood out for making out with the with with women in this case? This one was less common overall, but it was more common for men than for women. Um, and that is facilitating sex or uh, facilitating a relationship. So men set, talked about um, using performative making out as a way to do that more often than women did. Mm. So they thought making out in public with this woman would make it easier for them to have sex later on? Right. Hmm. It's kind of weird. I mean, I... Yeah. How, is the is the fact that it's in public helping in some way? What what if they made out in a dark alley yeah. and not in public? <laughs> there, yeah, there's a way where that could feel more safe um, to have people around and um, to kind of get things started in a public space. Um, I don't know why, why the, in particular, the audience um, matters. I'll take a swing at it. Okay, go, Joe. Maybe they think if this woman is so open sexually in public... It's more of a slam dunk that after the fact, when they're behind closed doors, it will end mm. up with a night of passion. Like if they were willing to Do make this public commitment to being sexual yeah. with them, it's yes. more likely that she would actually take it all the way. Yeah, yeah seal the yeah. deal later. Mm-hmm. I'm just going with that. Let's just run with I, that, Kate. I, I like it. Yeah. Put that <laughs> think, down. Yeah. Can, can you update your... Uh, <laughs> Kate? <laughs> okay. How about women? Why were women making out with guys specifically in public? Were they trying to enhance their social image as well? Some of them were, certainly. Um, so I always want to be clear with this stuff that just because men reported that motivation more often than women doesn't mean that women weren't trying to do that. Um, definitely um, women wanted to enhance their image by um, making themselves seem kind of up for anything, by making them seem more, uh, making themselves seem more attractive to other people around them. Um, I think often when m- women were choosing to make out with other women in my study, they were talking about wanting to enhance their image to th- the men that were around them. The mo- most common motivation, though, that women did report was to make others jealous. Um, and they mm-hmm. were talking about both making an ex-partner jealous or making other women jealous of the man that they were currently making out with. Um, so they mentioned wanting their exes to see that they maybe didn't need them anymore or wanted their exes to to get angry and leave or to ask to get back together. Um, that ended up being the most common thing that they talked about. And did it work? Often, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> People were made jealous who they w- were trying to make jealous? Yeah. Um, I think more often um, women talked about their when they were trying to make their exes jealous that that X was then, you know, he, he got mad and stormed out or right. something along those mm-hmm. lines. There are some other, you know, some of the outcomes were asking participants to speculate about what might have happened rather sure. than things that definitely did happen. So they may have thought that someone was jealous by the fact that they looked upset, but hmm. we don't really know how that other person right, felt. Right. Or they might not be able to tell if the person didn't express the yeah. jealousy. Maybe they felt it inside, but didn't. Didn't right. create any drama around it. Or didn't care it, so. or liked it. You never know. Oh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's another episode. <laughs> Interesting. Any other motives for doing that? Yeah, some other common ones. A really common one was just kind of to demonstrate a relationship. Both men and women talked about that about equally. Um, so kind of just wanting other people to know um, this, this, is my, this is my partner. Mm-hmm. This is who I'm with. Um, sometimes it got, you know, almost a little creepy. Like this person's off limits their mind. Huh. Um, right. But... 
It's like when but, the dog pees on the carpet, just, just claiming their, their spot right there. Yeah, exactly. That's a great analogy, exactly. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't take it literally, Dr. Joe, but, but it's sort of the same idea, yeah. And definitely games, dares, and bets were um, common in this uh, study as well. Guys making out with, with the women and, and vice versa for yeah. dares. Yeah. Um, I kind of joked about it earlier, though, Kate and Jonathan, but how much did alcohol and drugs play into all this? Um, about over 50% of the situations explicitly mentioned alcohol. Okay. Um, we asked about settings. A lot of the settings were par- parties or bars. Where alcohol is present often. Right? Yeah. 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 At the same time, a lot of these um, scenarios were, that were described, so we, we were talking to, we were getting data from a lot of first semester freshmen. Um, so a lot of what they were talking about had actually happened in high school or middle school. And so it's mm. harder to know um, certainly alcohol exists in high school and middle school spaces, no. um, but it's harder to know um, whether or not they were there in those, in all of those situations. Right. So these were not like Christian mingle, like uh, mixers and stuff like that. This was like <laughs> your typical college or high school rager kind of parties where everyone's kind of just all having fun. Uh, some are drinking, some are doing drugs. And, and that's pretty much the scenario for a lot of these. Yeah, for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. What about straight men making out with other men did that ever happen i mean the kind of the obvious instinctive reaction joe's laughing like no fucking way wow. what are you talking about well just thinking about the bro that was asked earlier <laughs> i just can't imagine that bro kissing at the other bro in front of other people you don't think that would uh, take him to a new state of brodom <laughs> i'm gonna go on the limb Dr. Joe. that number is very low you're right um actually in the in this more recent study we had we, we only had three men at all say that they would engaged in performative making out with another man all three of them identified as gay. Mm-hmm. In the earlier study, <laughs> men who reported having been involved in same-sex performativity or having seen it um, usually described it in the context of games, dares, or bets. So, if you are familiar with the game Gay Chicken, that was one that was uh, Gay Chicken that was highlighted um, where two Joe men making get closer face, and closer. Yeah. yeah, my face yeah. is like squinching here. What yeah, what is saying, Gay Chicken? I don't know what Gay Chicken is. So, oh, you don't know what it is. Okay, so two men approach making out with one another, approach a, a mouth-based kiss. Um, there are also ones where you run your hand up each other's thighs. Whoever pulls away first loses. Oh, so they're slowly but surely getting close, 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 and then the person who pulls out first is the, the chicken. 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 Why or how is this initiated yeah. among straight guys, presumably, right? We're talking about straight guys, straightish. Yeah. Uh-huh. I am not sure about that one, honestly. Okay. Wow. Like, yeah, I can imagine be like, hey guys, it's time to play some gay chicken, everybody. Let's gather around. Let's gather on the keg. I'm looking at a response here, referring to it as a drinking game. Drinking game, of course. Americans can turn yeah. anything into <laughs> That's a game. Right. drinking game. Yeah. From the Game of Thrones, the Bachelor, to the State of the Union, it doesn't matter. We can make anything a drinking game. <laughs> You know, when I grew, grew up, there was no such thing. The concept of a drinking game does not exist. But you were from like a communist country, weren't you? No, we like... had alcohol and people <laughs> drank. It was just no, there's no need to turn it into a game. a game. The whole concept of a drinking game was something that I learned when I moved to the U.S. That's funny. Yeah. So, so you didn't have gay chicken. You can, uh, uh, No, I'm not familiar <laughs> with the gay chicken version uh, in Macedonia. Right. But if there was one... It wouldn't be a drinking game. Right. It would just be, you know, pure gay chicken game. Right. Okay. <laughs> no substances involved. No need no to. Pro- no performance enhancing drugs involved. No, if you need to drink, you can drink before, after, during. The drinking part doesn't need to be gamified. <laughs> yeah. We're digressing now. A little bit, yes. <laughs> okay, so not a lot of, if, if at all, straight-ish guys making out with 
other guys because obviously that wouldn't be helping their Bronus. Bronus, yeah. masculinity. Brodom. Brodom. Mm-hmm. And how about, you mentioned the gay guys who had done that, who had made out with uh, another guy. How much of that did you see gay folks doing performative making out either with same sex or with other sex people? Well, there were only three. So the the two scenarios that I'm thinking of, um, there was one man who had the motive of making an ex-partner jealous, um, I think coming home from a from a trip and running to make out with his partner who was greeting him at the the airport so that his ex-partner would see the participant had someone and the ex-partner didn't. Um, So that was one, just one of the three scenarios. How about the women? Any lesbian women where they pushed into performative making out with other men or women? We actually did not have any lesbian women in our sample. Mm. Um, We did have a couple of bisexual women and they both, or they mentioned um, engaging in same-sex performative making out and other sex performative making out. So they made out with men and women. Mm. Were people getting, looking at the outcomes, were people getting what they were after with these with these events? Did their image get Well, we know enhanced? the one guy did. We know, well, the one yeah. guy. <laughs> we know about one. So you, you said the jealousy <laughs> often seemed to work, making people jealous. How about some yeah. of the other motives? Yeah, so the the... Image enhancement definitely seemed to be working well for the men in in the study. So a lot of men said that they they perceived afterwards that their images really were enhanced by the the experience. Only one woman reported that the situation enhanced her image. Mm. Um, so conversely, though, most of the participants who reported worrying about or actually experiencing damage to their image after the after the experience were women. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> Story of our life, right? Yeah. What was that about? Was it that they were being seen as too slutty or something like that? Yep, that was there. Um, worrying about being being viewed as a slut. Um, worrying about their, their sexual orientation being questioned, um, especially after making out with another woman. Mm. It's hard to know whether someone's image actually was enhanced or whether they think it was enhanced. But even even if those women's images were not enhanced, they at least worried about it. More than the men did. You just never know how people are going to react. It's like wearing an outfit. You can go out in an outfit and <laughs> some people may react one way, and, and but you'll never know what they're thinking deep down. So that's why I guess maybe there's that sort of that. Unless they let you know. Yes. Some people will, right. but. Yeah. Right. I don't think anyone's polling everyone. So what did you think of my performative making out? Did you enjoy it or did you find, were you repulsed by it? They're not doing that, I can't imagine, in between uh, the gay chicken exercise and yeah, spin the bottle. Yeah, but you have other ways to assess if people are being in some way expressive of, of what they thought about that, you can get yeah. a sense of, of how they felt or how that affected it. Or I don't know, if you hear the next day people talking yeah. about, oh my God, that <laughs> slut, whatever. Right. Or is she lesbian? Or that bro, man. He really brought it home, man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like if, well, yeah, and, I mean, and if you men come, did talk yeah. about that, like getting high fives afterwards exactly. or um, having, having the incident be talked about um, amongst their, their male friends later. Um, so they were often able to provide that feedback. From so there was people. polling data for the men. Exactly. With the bros. <laughs> yeah. See, th- you just don't know these things because I, you didn't do I it. I did not. No, <laughs> I missed out on the gay chicken. I missed out on the performative kissing. Jeez. So that brings me to the next question. Is it too late for Joe? <laughs> you know, is this, <laughs> is this something that only young people do? You know, college students and, and high schoolers before them. Or do we know anything about 
this kind of behavior later adult in life. Adult kissing. Yeah, adult yeah. performative kissing. <laughs> Middle age performative kissing. You know, not that I know of. I mean, I think it, because a lot of those settings like college parties or high school parties um, are talked about. Um, and also some of our participants talked about this idea that college is the time for exploration of sexuality and relationships. Those, I think, are not surprising concepts that people might be considering. So I think studying college students in this context has seemed really apt to date. Uh, I would bet that this occurs outside of college and high school. Um, and like I said before, I, I imagine that that any of us could envision scenarios where we might have seen some of this happening. And I think it would be um, kind of cool to see what might be going on that's either similar or different um, in populations that aren't outside of college and high school. Right. And as you were saying, that's a time for exploration. And for, for people, it might feel like a safe bubble in which they can explore that without consequences for the rest of their lives. It's kind of like yeah. the what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, kind of like what happens in college stays in college. Yeah. So that's not a reputation that's necessarily going to follow you around mm -hmm. if, if you decide that that's not something you want. Right. And even if it does, you can say, well, I was in college. You know how right. that is. Right. Yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to think like how for as grownups, where would where would this kind of scenario play out? Like performative kissing? I mean, obviously bars, but whereas the environment for or college in clubs. it's in clubs. Clubs, but, but, yeah. But yeah. But I have I have a feeling I don't know, it's just not the same because in a club you're probably surrounded by strangers. Whereas a college party, there's mm -hmm. a pretty good percentage of people that you know that you're playing up to. Whereas at a bar it just could be I mean again, going back to the whole exhibitionist thing where you're just doing it in front of strangers it doesn't matter but it's just but, i'm trying to think what you other know, some setting people have friends that they go to clubs with mm -hmm. like uh, some of us adults yeah go to clubs and bars with friends right it just it doesn't have that college party <laughs> atmosphere you're not going to a, a, a club with like 12 people on the regular what, what do you mean well maybe you maybe john i think you're the minority i don't think a lot of people go clubbing with like 20 people i don't think that's a, that's a common almost thing almost every time i go clubbing i go clubbing with 20 people <laughs> we pregame at my place and then all of us like 12, 15, 20 of us go clubbing. All right, so the you question is, how come I haven't been invited? I, you don't club. <laughs> you're, you live in Jersey. Yeah, I, I could come to New York. Let me know the next time you're going to go clubbing with, you know, with really? with, a, with gonna, two dozen people. I'll, I'll, I'll tag along and, you know, it's, we'll, we'll it's see what happens. the beginning of April. I have the party. I know oh, exactly which party it's going to okay. be. Yeah. I, Kate, you want to join us? You, are you going to be in the same city? I don't see how I could say no at this point. <laughs> exactly. She does so a great job of selling it. we're going to be 22 it. people now. Okay, cool. And uh, right. we'll see how much performative making out we, we see happening. Which, we, can, we can pull the uh, the club goers. And which could lead to Kate's next maybe research project. You know, <laughs> middle-aged performative kissing. Who knows? Well, And this will be the one where I actually do get to watch it. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Finally, you can not disappoint all these people who are... <laughs> You know, hoping yeah. that that's how you do your research. Get out of that classroom, Kate. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so, kind of to wrap it up, is, is performative making out something that we should think of as bad, as good? Like, how, how are we conceptualizing this more broadly in terms of what it means for the people who are doing it, for the people who are seeing it? Is this something that, I don't know, we, we think shouldn't be doing. I definitely don't think it's always bad. Definitely both men and women reported having positive outcomes. Um, some were saying, you know, it's just fun to do this. Um, I'm getting new experiences. I'm enjoying making out with someone that I find attractive. Um, I feel closer to the people I, the person I made out with. I, you know, feel like I built my relationship up a little more. I became closer as friends. Mm. Um, so there's definitely a lot of positive outcomes that were talked about um and the people that that 
that we asked. Um, I think there's some cause for caution that comes up when we look at the patterns kind of from a step back, um, which we started to get at a little bit earlier. Um, so we found that men used positive words like happy and proud more often than negative words when they were describing their experiences. Mm. Um, whereas on the flip side, women more often use negative descriptors like insecure or talking about worrying about their reputations being damaged more often than men did. Right. Again, men experience more positive outcomes than negative outcomes, whereas women experience more negative outcomes than positive outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, men's images were enhanced um, more frequently than women's were. And women's Images. images were worried about more frequently than men's right. were. And so you can see this kind of sexual double standard that is coming to the surface where the same behavior that enhanced a man's image um, serves to kind of damage um, or potentially damage a woman's image. So the sexual double standard is alive and well. Yes, it is. <laughs> Man, I thought we fixed and, that. I guess not, huh? Still around, yeah, huh? Jeez. Yeah. It always seems no matter what subject, the sexual double standard always pops up. It rears its ugly head. Well, yeah, yeah, it's there. We still have to contend with it. Bastards. So if, if, if you were to give some advice to the young men and women out there thinking about doing this or having done it, mm. what would that be? I don't know. It's, I mean, the like dumb advice I can think of is like, well, just really like the, the like adult parental advice is, you know, really think about why you're doing this, but people aren't, people aren't doing that when they're, when they're drunk, people aren't thinking about that when they're trying to be fun and carefree. Um, and so it feels very, not very helpful, um, to tell people to think more about it. Um, <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, maybe from a from a kind of outsider's perspective, or someone someone viewing the that behavior, um, checking our own biases about what is really happening and what we're thinking about the man who is who's involved in the in the couple and the woman, and um, making sure that that we're not contributing to the the sexual double, double standard. standard. Um, right. And and also, I think to whatever extent people can in the moment think about why they're doing it just being aware that some of the some of the outcomes that you might be seeking with that behavior might be much more likely to happen than others so if you're a woman and you think oh this is gonna get people to like me more Mm. think better of me that's often not the case that will happen and in fact you're much more likely to walk out from that either feeling more slut shamed or worrying (laughs) that you were going to that you're going to experience slut shaming. On the other hand, if I don't know, if you if you want to have some of the other outcomes, like make someone jealous, that seems to be working a little better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're doing it because you want to, or or because it's just fun, or because you want to explore your sexuality and perhaps see what it would feel like if I were to make out with a woman. So if it's more of that intrinsic value mm-hmm. that you're being driven uh, to do it, then that might be more likely to have a positive outcome or an, the outcome that yeah. you wanted. Yeah, I think where I get stuck with that advice is then what, what do we say to the men who are thinking about doing this, who, <laughs> who want their images enhanced and, um, and indeed they're likely going to be. Then we've got the situation that's kind of perpetuating that behavior. If, if they're thinking about, well, what's, more, what's most likely to happen? Well, it's the thing that I want. <laughs> that feels problematic to me. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's an interesting conundrum. Yeah. Thinking of just general best practices don't harm other people yeah. in mm-hmm. what you're doing. And so as long as p- people are kind of consenting to that behavior and they've 
seem to be as into it as you are. Actually, what you just said made me think of something. And that is, if we found anything with this study, it's that two people involved in a situation where they're making out in front of others um, could be doing it for completely different reasons. Um, And so one person could be hoping for a relationship, whereas the other person could be, you know, just trying to enhance their image or be trying to have sex or just be doing it for fun. So maybe there's space for advice about more communication about what's what's really happening here. What are we communicating to one another and to the people around us? And do those match up? And if they don't, do I still want to do this? Yes, have a really deep right. discussion in between <laughs> Jello shots. <laughs> That's <laughs> just the place for it. Yeah, good luck with that. I mean, that would be ideal, yes. but yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. Let's have this really <laughs> thoughtful discussion right now yeah. while we do keg why, stands. Why, why do you why, why do you want to do this? I don't know. Oh, excuse me. I just need to do this quick keg stand. I'll be right back. Let's finish this. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. I, I mean, I guess the environment has a lot to do with it. Because as much as we talk about, you know, doing stuff for the positive reasons, a lot of times you get caught up in the moment, you get pressured. So, but it, going back to Kate's point, I think as long as you're doing it for the right reason and you're doing it for yourself and living your best life, I think that's all you can kind of hope for. And trying to think about what this is. I, I think both elements, the way to give the advice, if there is any advice to give around this is... One, think about yourself. Are you doing this for reasons that make you feel good about doing it yourself? And the next is think about the other people that Mm. you're involving. Are you going to harm them? Do they seem like they might be harmed by this behavior? Do they seem like they're doing they're doing it for the wrong reasons? And sometimes you obviously you're not going to get into an in-depth discussion about it all. But there are lots of cues Mm -hmm. in the moment that you can pick up on. If say if you're the the guy and you don't want to be a dick. You don't want to harm the woman. And if you know that, yeah, it might enhance your image, but everybody's going to think that she's a slut and she's going to end up harmed from that interaction, then maybe you don't want to do yeah. it. Maybe the harm that you're going to cause to another human is is more of a disincentive to do it than the enhancement to your own image. Yeah. Of course, that requires a fair amount of <laughs> empathy and emotional maturity and yes. whatnot. Sociopaths, no need to apply for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's that. But I'm glad we created our ideal world. Yeah. (laughs) For how this should play out. (laughs) We're working on double standards, people treating each other right. I think we're Mm -hmm. just, we're saving the world one day at a time. Yeah. In between keg stands. (laughs) In between jello shots and keg stands. (laughs) Well, the next time we'll probably cure the, you know, the water shortage in Africa or something, because I feel like our conversation, (laughs) the three of us, we've, we really get a lot done in just an hour. So that's great. Great. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Kate Esterline, thank you so much for being in the Science of Sex podcast. Thank you for having me. So, Joe, what did you learn from today? I no, actually, I learned about a world that I was not familiar with <laughs> of all these all these people that are kissing out in public, and I missed out all that. I'm sure people were making out in public when when you were in college and growing up in high school. It's not like yeah, PDAs I, have always been a thing. That's true, but I never thought about the motives behind it right. and why people were doing it, and you know. One person was doing it for something, and the other person was doing it for other. So I, I will say I've learned that the people who are making out in public, you know, back in college and high school, it's it was more complicated than just two people making out. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just like life. Life is you, complicated. You think anyway. it's super easy? Oh, okay. There's good looking guy, good looking girl. Let's get together and kiss in public. But there's more to it than that. There is often more to it, indeed. And you know, and this show is very much, and this podcast is very much educational. But it's uh, but and and sometimes you get out there and you spread the love of your education. Spread the love. I guess that sounds weird, especially when we're, we're a sex podcast. But 
<laughs> but you actually go out and about, and speaking of colleges, aren't you going to be visiting a college soon to I do something? I am. I'm going to be in Boston doing a workshop on pleasure and consent at Emerson College on the 28th of March, but the day before on the 27th, uh, for those who are not in college mm-hmm. or don't have access to Emerson, right. I will be giving a talk on jealousy and catching feelings in the context of non-monogamy. Okay. Two challenges that are relatively frequent challenges for people exploring open relationships and non-monogamy, dealing with these difficult emotions. The J word, jealousy. The J word. And not just J word, but other difficult emotions yeah. like falling in love and then what do we do with falling in love with somebody other than your primary partner mm-hmm. and then how do you navigate that space of what's often called new relationship energy okay. when you bring that NRE. in. NRE. exactly. Yeah. So I will be giving that talk on the 27th at the Brookline Good Vibrations store. So if there are any Boston listeners <laughs> who want to see me in person, please come to Brookline Good Vibrations on Wednesday, the 27th of March. And of course, we will link all that information to both things, the Emerson thing and the Brookline thing at thesciencexpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can read up on all, all of our past episodes. So a lot of our episodes are really dense with knowledge. And sometimes you'll be like, what was that one thing they said? So you can check out episode recaps of everything mm-hmm. we've done on the show. Also connect with us, ask connect us with, questions. Connect with our guests, read the studies that we've discussed on the show. Email us with yeah. questions, concerns, thoughts. Concerns. I don't know. They might have some they concerns. They might have some concerns. You're yeah. right. Yeah. I like to keep everything super positive and everything like that. But yeah, sure. If you got a concern. And of course, if you enjoy the podcast, if you, if you have minimal concerns about the <laughs> podcast, make sure you rate and review us wherever you listen to us, whether it's on the iTunes Store or Google Podcasts or on Stitcher. Let us know what you think. Thank you. See you next time. Bye, Bye. Dr. Jana. To connect with Dr. Jana and Joe, go to the scienceofsexpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Science of Sex Pod. And follow us on Facebook at the Science of Sex Podcast. Subscribe now to listen to the weekly podcast.